This is a headgum podcast. A fit. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Like I've been locked up tight for a century of a lonely night, waiting for someone to release me. Licking your lips and only looking that way, but that don't mean I'm gonna give it away. Baby, baby, baby. Whoa, whoa, whoa. My heart is saying, let's go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, my body's saying let's go, but my heart is saying no. I wasn't going to stop you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I would just like to say that was Genie in a Bottle by Christina Aguilera from memory. I usually need to look up the lyrics on my phone, but that is such an important song also in my life and my guest life that I was just able to pull that from the top of my dome. I mean, let's give it up for that. The year is 2007. And I know what you guys are all thinking, what is happening in 2007? Well, I'm here to tell you what was happening in 2007. Uh, From the iconic entertainmentweekly.com, you know we like to use the most reliable sources here on Senior Superlatives Pod. First starters, Spider-Man 3, Shrek the Third, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, all came out along with the final chapter of Harry Potter. Do we know? Now we know. Uh, Oprah started her Leadership Academy for Girls in Johannesburg, South Africa. Celebrities intend- Celebrity attendees included Mariah Carey, Spike Lee, and Mary J. Blige. Okay, that was huge. Obviously, the iPhone comes out in 2007. Changed our life. Um, what else is going on that I can that I think is worth noting? Hmm. Oh, it was a bad year for Britney Spears that year. We're not going to get into it, but it was a tough year. Also a really tough year. Anna Nicole Smith dies in 2007. Very sad. So let's find something really exciting to sort of end (laughs) this sad kind of 2007. Oh, here's one. This says, the summer of Apatow begins. Judd Apatow's sex comedy, Knocked Up, starring Katherine Heigl and Seth Rogen, premiered, as does Superbad. Big year for that kind of a comedy movie. And where were we when Superbad was in theaters? We were in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And who are we? We are Evan Rosskatz. Evan. Hi. 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 I have to say, none of that pop culture really like pinged for me. Like, I'm not a Harry Potter kid. Definitely not Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, but the Anna Nicole Smith death, I feel like that that definitely rocked me. You know what I think will hit for you too, and this is maybe me being presumptuous, but this hits for me. 
Um, Lindsay Lohan arrested for cocaine possession and DUI and had one of her most iconic uh, mug shots of that year in mm. that year. Yeah, no, that that's taking me back. Okay, see, now, now we're there. Also... Amy Winehouse was out and about singing, singing her songs. Whoopi got on The View. Oh, okay, 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 okay. That's culture. Yeah, now, now it's coming together. Now it's coming together. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, yeah, no, that's uh, Whoopi joining The View. I feel like that that is cementing a moment in time for me, and I'm like fully in 2007 now. Were you a View person? Did you watch The View in high school? I did, absolutely. I actually, I watched all the way up until Meghan McCain left. So it's weird because really? occasionally now I'll see a headline about it and I'll be like, God, like my former show. Yeah, I watched it for like probably 15 years. You know, I'm sure you know Matt Rogers. Of course. Lovely Matt Rogers. And Matt still to this day watches The View every day. You know, and we need people like Matt that are still plugged in because I'm sure that they have occasional moments worth watching. But I just feel like this current lineup, I tried it out and I, it didn't it didn't hit for me. You know, I was lucky enough. Matt did bring me as his plus one to the Bahamas when he and Bowen were on The View. And meeting everyone, specifically Joy and Whoopi, was huge. Totally. Like, well, and the 2007 lineup, you got Whoopi and Joy intact. So. Yep, there you go. Um, now, I have to know, because you are someone that I am such a fan of, and you have such, like, your presence is so lovely and i love everything that i see of you posting online all the time and i have to know what were you like in high school okay so can i tell you this is like a very interesting podcast for me to be on because well for many reasons but like i don't have a ton of memories of life before 22 and uh -huh. i think that could be for many reasons some of which trauma we could, <laughs> some of which we could get into <laughs> But so I don't like when you when when I think of high school, I don't have like big formative memories that like boil to my mind immediately. Yeah. Um, but what yeah. was I like in high school? So I went to a performing arts high school for my sophomore, junior and senior year. So I sort of see like there's freshman year of high school where I was very much like the fish out of water, the sort of gay kid that was tormented. Um, and then there's the period in which I went to the performing arts high school in which I suddenly was one of many and I had a big paradigm shift. Um, but overall, I would say I was probably someone who internalized the bullying that I received and like dished it back out. And like, I, I, I've heard people say this before of themselves and, and it rings for me, which is that like, I was the kind of kid where, like, if you bit me, metaphorically, I would yeah. bite you back ten times harder. I mean, that I feel like that's a good kind of kid to be. Because I was really bullied in elementary school, and I wish that I just... Because, like, my mom was always like, kill him with kindness, kill him with kindness, and now I wish I could have gone back and been like, fuck you, you dumb fucking bitch. Yeah, no, that that was me. <laughs> but I did get suspended, I, uh, I you think, did? twice. Yeah, once now. For what? 
That I I was uh, let's just say I had a sharp tongue. I well, I, yeah. well, I got suspended in elementary school for uh, lashing out at a teacher and bully, like essentially bullying a teacher. That was in elementary <laughs> school, and then uh, in high school it was for. I mean, I was, I, I honestly, I look back on it and I'm like not proud of it because I think that like, right. I like, um, I like people that are like, you know, uh, economic with their word choice. But like, I feel yeah. like I was just sort of like mean for mean sake, which I think is really, I'm not a big proponent of. So I, I, I don't like look back on it and be like work bitch. Like it's not that sort of uh, reverence. It's more sort of like. I like where my, I like like my intention. Like I like the idea of like, I'm not going to be a victim. I love that mindset. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Pamela Anderson and her new documentary. Um, but I feel like I, I would make some adjustments if I could go back because I feel like it was like, I feel like the hurt uh, transitioning to anger. I feel like we could like, we could work that out a little bit better. Yeah, but, you know, that is something that, like, famously only comes with age, that, like, you need to learn, you need to grow. When you were in your performing arts high school, were you doing theater? So I was doing um, technical theater. Uh, So I was, I was, like, uh, I was really into stage management at the time. And I have to say, like, if my life didn't go where it is currently going and, and who's to say it will keep going this way. I would love to like return to, I'd be like, I love stage management. It really like fulfilled a lot of my interests in terms of like organization and leadership, but also like being a part of theater. Cause I mean, like I love theater, but I'm not a performer. Um, so yeah, I was like in the basement building sets, lights, uh, that whole rigmarole. I love that. Did you feel that like going to a performing arts high school like when you say you had a paradigm shift, did you think that was necessary for you to like survive the trials and tribulations of teenagedom? You know, it it's hard when I look back because I feel like so much of my effort to look back is colored by my understanding of like so many of my friends' high school experience. So what at the time felt so difficult for me I sort of look back on it now and I'm like, you had it really good in a lot of ways. But at the time, yeah, I mean, I felt very alone and I didn't. And, you know, this is 2007. So it's like the beginnings of the Internet. And I know I talk about this with a lot of gay people my age or older, where it's like there's a time for a lot of us where we thought we were the only one. Like it doesn't, I wasn't aware that there was like an LGBTQ plus community. I thought I was born wrong and that something was wrong with me and that hopefully over time it would fix itself or that was sort of like the belief for a while. So going to the performing arts high school was like, oh my God, there are like so many, not even me, because then I was able to meet like trans kids and lesbians and just get a bigger understanding of a world. And and also, mind you, I went to a high school that was like 99.5% white. And then I transferred to the Performing Arts High School, which was about 40% white. And so, wow. and, and also too, I was like, I was taking the, the subway to high school. You know what I mean? Going from walking to taking the subway along with, you know, working people. There were just so many aspects of life that opened up to me um, when I went to the performing arts high school that I think changed me in ways that like I'm now very conscious of, but at the time I don't think I was. 
I had no idea there was even a subway system in Pittsburgh. There is. It's called the T. It doesn't take you many places, but it goes from the South Hills where I lived to downtown. Did you have to convince your parents to send you to this school? Uh, yes, but it was a very easy pitch. I mean, I feel like, like, I feel like I, I, they recognized the fact that, like, I was having a hard time in school and there was this option available that just seemed like a good fit. And I think that to my parents' credit, um, they were sort of like, as you know, you've done the research to find an alternative, go forth. I think that like, had we not had that alternative, I think it would have been like, well, you know, tough. You gotta go, you know, go back again another day of school. But I, I got lucky. Yeah, I mean, there was this high school and I... Yeah, I, I was able to get in there, and that sort of became my 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 world. And then it was, I, you know, it's funny because a lot of my friends at my old high school, because I sort of had this mentality where I was like, this is my new life. I want no part of my life up until this point. And so I sort of got rid of all my friends um, that I had before then. Some of whom I'm friends with today will remind me of the friendship. Being like, remember when you yeah, remember when you cut us, remember when you systematically cut us all out of your life? And I'm like, (laughs) yes, I do. Um, But I felt at the time that I had to do that because I needed to be a new version of myself. And also, mind you, I was able to go to this school and be out of the closet. So like, I never had to have a coming out because I just went to Kappa at 16 years old as a gay kid. Like I entered as the gay ki- as a gay kid. Um, and I think that was really critical for me as well because I don't, I can't imagine like the logistics of a coming out at my, at my previous school. Yeah, well, did you have to come out to your parents or was it just the kind of thing where you were like, this is me, that's it? I came out to my parents, I came out to my mom and then my mom told my dad. But I mean, I think, for, I mean, I think that a lot of people in the queer community can relate to this where it's like, I, I came out, but I don't think I was like revealing new information to them. I right. think if anything, it was like corroborating things that they knew and then also making them aware of the fact that I was aware of a thing that they already knew. You know what I mean? Right, right. It was like a huddle yeah. of like, okay, team, we're here. Uh, yeah, it's like we're all thinking the same thing. Let's all talk yeah, about it. Yeah, let's strategize together. Um, yeah. But no, they were like really, I mean, honestly, it's funny. I have no, um, it's funny. My dad passed away in, in January of this year. So I've been very reflective upon, you know, like my, my early life and my formative years. And like one of my takeaways, especially pertaining to like my coming out and all of that is like my dad in particular uh, was never like unaccepting. I think if anything, like he didn't really understand gayness and homosexuality and queer community and all of that stuff. Like he was classically like the dad that would like fumble over the acronym, like LBDG, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but, and at the time I was like, you know, you don't accept me. Like you don't see me for who I am, blah, blah, blah. Um, 34 year old Evan can look back and be like, and especially again, all the data we collect as our older selves about our friends' experiences and everything. I- I've come to realize that it's like, he just, he, uh, he he understood in his own way, but it was never a lack of acceptance. It was always a lack of understanding. And right. so I like that. I look back very fondly where it's like we had a couple, you know, we definitely fought about stuff, but it was never around my who I was. It was more of like him trying to grasp, OK, well, you're gay, but why aren't you interested in hockey like your brothers? Right, right. Yeah, that's that's a really um 
it's a very, what is the word, wise place to get in yourself where you can be like, it's not an unacceptance, it's an un, it's a misunderstanding or it's a not being able to understand. And I think that, I'm first of all, I'm so sorry about your about your dad. My I my mom died 11 years ago, and I think that when you do lose a parent, you really do become reflective in this way that you didn't know you ever would be before. I think that yeah. you know, losing a parent for me, specifically my mom, even though I love my dad, but losing my mom was always like my biggest fear, you know, and I used to think like, how will I feel? What will what will I feel? And now that as you're going through this really intense moment, this is so fresh to like be thinking these things and having these takeaways. I I, I think there is something beautiful in that in like the grief stages of mourning a parent. I totally agree. I totally agree. And and I'm sorry for your loss as well. And I feel like there is like this connection that I have with people who have experienced loss, particularly the loss of a parent, because it's such a specific loss. I'll tell you tangentially briefly, but just it's very relevant to this conversation and right now. My best friend from childhood, um, her mother is dying right now. She was uh, taken out of the hospital and transferred into hospice today, a few hours ago. Oh. And I had like a, you know, a final phone conversation and she was kind of like a surrogate mother to me in many ways. And so we had a final phone conversation on Friday and it was just, again, like, it's funny that like you and I are doing this podcast today because I'm really, I'm really in this headspace of like thinking about my past. And, you know, I said to her, I was like, I have all these memories of like, I didn't know, my mom's not a cool mom. Like I had a very like, you know, my mom was very rules oriented. My mom is very much like the archetype of a mother. And when I met Rhoda, which is my best friend's mom, um, she was a cool mom. And I, it was like, again, speaking of paradigm shifts, it was like so formative to me um, to be like, I can be friends with an adult. Like adults can be cool. And anyway, I have to say, though, it's like in having that final conversation with her, it's obviously very sad. Um, but it's also was like a great moment of reflection because I just was like, I, I love this person so purely. Um, and it's sad and it's happy is not the word, but like, how great is it that like we're getting to have this final conversation and I can tell you yeah. how much I love you and how much you've impacted my life. Not me crying on <laughs> Monday at uh, a lot of unresolved trauma still exists inside. Um, oh, that's so beautiful. I mean, having meeting like I, I do feel like my mom, my mom, I would not have described her as a cool mom in when I was in high school. My mom, I was terrified of her it was definitely like a rule by fear vibe going on with her but what I think my mom was to a lot of my friends that had um maybe more like my mom never fucked with high school my mom fucking hated high school so I felt like I was so lucky to have a mom she would always say to me she'd be like fuck all these people your life is so much bigger than this like do like get through be a good friend do your work like do what you can but like know that there is a life beyond this point And I feel like my mom was that person for a lot of my friends because I do think so many people's parents 
put so much pressure on them, specifically in high school, because of course you're like, you know, priming your kid to get shot out into the world and you want them to be, you know, studious and good and whatever that means. And it is always nice when you find that one kind of parental figure, even if it's not your own, that you can like bond with and sort of have a refreshing relationship with. Absolutely. And it's funny because it's like, I'm thinking it's like, you know, I just lost my dad. My best friend from high school is about to lose her mom. We're both the exact same age. And it's like, there's just something about like, again, what I was saying earlier about like, that like we can go through this thing together. Like we have our childhood together, our adult lives as friends, and then we'll both have this proximity to loss at and at the same stage of our life that will two bond us together. I mean oh my God. not the ideal bond by any means, but like this is the given circumstance. And anyway, so it has me I bring it up all because it's like I've been particularly reflective upon my early life. And then also I was just home in Pittsburgh, helping my mom move into her new apartment. And she moved back to my ta- the, chi- the town I grew up in. Wow. And so, like, I was just, you know, walking around. And, like, wa- I walked past my middle school. And, like, mm-hmm. just, like, these, um, the nostalgia just sort of, like, the, the way it takes hold of you when you're, when it's in front of you. Um, yeah. Is very different than just, like, mm, thinking back upon my life. It's, like, no, no, no. When it's in front of you, it's, like... It's present. <laughs> it's Even like the, it's the floodgates past. open yeah. and all of a sudden you're like, it's very visceral. It's like very, I, I grew up in DC and for the longest time I never wanted to go back there. And I found myself going back there for shows recently. And I also have the same feeling of like walking down my neighborhood streets and it's, it's so intense and it's like, it's unavoidable, but I think that's really amazing that you have a, such a good friend that you've kind of gone through these really huge life events with, like, you know, going through adolescence and then a super, super inevitable, ultimately, loss that unfortunately everyone will experience at some point in their life yeah um, she is uh, among the friends that i cut out of my, of my life for a period so <laughs> she just never ceases to remind me of um, how did you make your way back to each other i feel like that sort of always happens with people that are meant to be in your life if you're open to it and i i'm someone who's like very willing to admit my failures. Um, I'm not prideful when it comes to that sort of thing. So I think it was one of those things of just like, fuck, like I I really fucked up here. I hope you can forgive me. Um, Okay, so we're in performing arts high school. Were you a good student? Were you like an academic studious type? No, um, distinctly not. I I mean, when it, I always am hesitant to like say this, but like it's so far gone, like who cares? When I was in college, I used to pay people to write my papers for me, um, which is LOL, but especially so considering I'm now a professional writer. Um, I was gonna say, yeah. Yeah, but at that time, I wasn't yet keen to the, you know, the that I could, you know, y- use money to to get through academics, academia. But um, at that point, I don't know, I question how I got into college a lot. I was distinctly told when I got to NYU or when I was, excuse me, when I was auditioning, they were like, you have to get into NYU academically before you can get into Tisch. 
Right. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> that'll be interesting. Um, I was like a B minus C plus student. Like, okay, um, we're working with like a 2.8 GPA, perhaps, perhaps a 3.0. Perhaps. Um, but I always am sort of like, I don't know how, how I got in or like, yeah, but I, I did not apply myself. I had a really difficult time in English class in particular because teachers did not the, like the the way I get sort of like quote unquote celebrated now for the voice in my writing that was like the complete opposite at the time it was like right like now like I love a fragment you know what I mean and it was like that was unacceptable mm-hmm. you can't have sentences that are not full fully thought out it's like fragments were wrong so I was right. taught so like I had a really I struggled with English a lot and then I just had a hard time like applying myself and I don't know like if I could go back and do it again, it's like, I wish I would have like immersed myself in the books that we were given. And like, I wish I would have like read The Catcher in the Rye and like identified with Holden. And like, you know, I, I uh, um, what did I read recently? Um, uh, the Pittsburgh, uh, uh, not, uh, um, uh, Wallflower, Perks of Being a Wallflower. I oh, just, re- yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, God, and that's a Pittsburgh based book. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, I wish young me would have read this book and had this like, moment of like realization um but I didn't have that I just was preoccupied with like Sarah Michelle Geller and that sort of that was my academia well I was just about to ask like you are such you know you are someone that I feel similar to Matt and Bowen you kind of have this like encyclopedic uh mind for pop culture and I am wondering, like, was that always something inside of you? Were you that way in high school? Not even just pop culture. I guess, like, it it also somehow is very specific, you know? I, like, I definitely feel like what whenever you write something or post something on the internet, it's always, like, from your specific POV. So I'm, like, in high school, what was the things that you were obsessed with? I mean, it always began with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Um, Buffy? That, uh, it began before Buffy. So it would have been Kendall Hart on All My Children would have wow. been. Yeah, would have been my like entry point because Tessa, my best friend's mom, was obsessed with All My Children and used to, well, we would VHS it at the time, but also there would be days that we would skip school or like be sick yep. and watch it. Cause it was mm-hmm. 1 PM on ABC if my memory serves. Um, so that was the original. And then I used to subscribe or not subscribe. I would buy uh BB and bop, which were like these two like magazines from our past that no longer exist. That was, that I would have bop. bop was it. Well, BB was better. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and they would always feature like centerfolds with Sarah Michelle Geller, And I would, mm-hmm. and, and so I would take those out and then, yeah. And then Buffy came along, obviously. Um, I don't know. It's like if I were to, it's hard to like look back on it and prescribe it. I can't really say other than like, I saw a photo of her. I remember the photo. It was like in BB or Bob. She's sitting on a staircase. Mm. And I just knew I was like, this is my person. It's, I mean, it's was sound- she sitting like, like arms like this. Oh, like, it was like down at the camera. It was very <laughs> dramatic. Um, it wasn't Vogue. I'll tell you that much. But, um, I just knew, and like at that time, and this is why I'm grateful to be the age that I'm at, you had to like fight for fandom. You know, there was like you had to choose who you loved and 
it was, you know, there weren't fan communities in the same way that there are today. And I guess I just like remember that it was like, this was, you know, again, this was the 2000s and and everyone was getting into like, you know, it was Britney and NSYNC and and I just remember I was like, I don't, I mean, I loved them, don't get me wrong, but I was like, I don't want to be like everybody else. And no one my age, because this was like 11, 12, was watching, because Buffy was it was for, for teens. I was too young. Right. So no one my age was watching Buffy, um, but I was. And so that sort of like gave me, I don't think cool factors, I, I don't think that's quite what it is, but like it just gave me an edge of sorts. Yeah. Um, and that was really like my entry point. And like I just knew that like, I would I would teach people how to slay um, during recess in elementary school <laughs> on the playground. Like people will write me now on Instagram, people that I grew up with that I don't even remember, and be like, you know, like we were when we were on the playground, you would like we'd all grab like sticks and pretend that they were stakes. And I'm like, wow, like <laughs> I didn't remember that, but I'm glad to hear it. But yeah, that um, so Buffy was like for me the thing, but more so Sarah. I mean, Sarah's part in Cruel Intentions is one of the best performances, I think, of that, like, teen, late 90s, teen drama, you know, sexual whatever genre. Like, her character is so fucked up, and she's so good, and she's so, like evil and slutty that I just remember like obviously the scene of Selma and Sarah making out in the park is one that goes down for forever but like seeing her in her opulent satin bedroom in a full ass corset I remember being like now that is a woman that's a like, woman that yeah. is a woman for sure. Unbelievable. For sure, Her yeah. coke problem, the coke cross. Crazy. I learned about cocaine from that movie. I was like, what's this? I just thought, I was like, at that time, I was like, there's just alcohol. I was like, that's the only thing that exists besides sobriety. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, oh, there's like a powder you can put in your nose. I was like, I want that. Because <laughs> it looked chic as hell Hell when she was yes. doing it. And she wasn't was wrong. Like, okay. Yeah. No. They don't call it a designer um, drug for nothing. <laughs> Were you drinking and doing drugs in high school? I was not. I was so scared. Like, talk about things I wish I could. I remember being in like 10th, 11th grade and this kid came in it was like a monday morning and he was like yeah like we went out last night and like we did like coke all night and i just was like i, I swear to god i remember thinking i can't be friends with anymore i can't be friends with someone that does drugs um so no i didn't discover drugs and really drinking i discovered drinking really my freshman year of college and then like drugs was like junior senior year i really like wow. made up for that like i was really into drugs in my 20s um but yeah like in high school no like weirdly innocent and just i just didn't know about them i feel like if i had known it would be very different but i yeah. grew up like i'm from like a suburb that's like eight miles south of pittsburgh and like there are just I, that wasn't i don't know that i mean i'm sure that was there right around. no but like it I had mean, to have been but like i just i wasn't privy to it I don't know. Like, I think that it had to have been. But I also think that there is something I like kids doing coke in high school 
to me is a very city school thing. Uh-huh. Like it's a very you're doing coke at private school in New York. You're doing coke at private school in DC. You're doing coke at private school in LA or whatever it is. But I don't, so many of the people that we have on the show that didn't grow up in cities like that, they weren't like fucking tooting lines on a Saturday. You know, it was mostly like, yeah, I was ripping a bong, like, gnawing on Adderall and funneling beer. Yeah. Okay, wait. So I did, yeah. So weed, I discovered... Like junior year, so weed was in the in the lexicon, but that was really, what? yeah, I was just kind of innocent. If you do, you have like a moment in your head, even though I know you said that you can't remember much, but do you have a moment in your head where you're like, that is high school, Evan? Um, <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what's coming to mind is that because kids used to call my house and like try and prank me and i do i remember calling the police um (laughs) and letting them know and like the police showed up to our house and i was like here's our phone like that was sort of like indicative of like my problem solving skills in my adult life which is that like something would happen to me and i would just be like well, like, I'll call the police. Like, that, they'll right. handle this. Um, right. So that's just, yeah. But, like, they used to, kids tw- would really torment me because I had a very, at the, I mean, now it would be considered gay voice, but at the time it was just I sounded like a woman. So they would, like, really torment me by calling and just, yeah, it was really, and they wouldn't stop. Um, oh, my God. I know, but it's, like, in retrospect, it's, like, if that's the worst they did, like, you know. Yeah, like, fine. Yeah, but I'm, like, I'll take it. the police um, and having the police But, yeah, so my memory is, like, the police showing up. My mom being, like, what are the police doing here? And I'm, like, oh, well, I, I called them. Like, they're just taking care of something for me. No, you can go back downstairs to finish the laundry. <laughs> That's really funny. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast. Um, did you have like a signature outfit that you would wear? Like what was the style? What was going on? So I had no style, not to say I have style now, but my signature, I was, I was a, a child of the Gap. Um, and yes. so I collected the Gap hoodies. Do you remember the Gap hoodies? Okay, yeah. Absolutely. So there, yeah. I, 
gorgeous gap across. Yep, and there was would, fleece and like, yep. yeah, so there was two different kinds. There was like fleece and terry. Yeah. Like, not like terry cloth on the outside, but like in the inside. Yes, it was like, yes. So I so had those good. like in about every color. And then I have this one shirt and it's, again, funny you and I are having this talk because it was on my mind this week that I bought that had a little inflatable, like an oval inflatable in the front of it, like essentially where of the boobs would be. Yeah. And it was like a goldfish tank. And it had, like, it had a little goldfish in it. That and sounds really fun. I would inflate it looking like a monoboob, like just like a single boob. That is so funny with a goldfish and i thought it was the coolest thing and I mean, it sounds very cool it i was gonna like say i don't they would do i was just you know what it's funny when the <laughs> loevit when they did that i i yeah it triggered something in me i was like maybe they owe me residuals um but yeah i i really like that i would say like i um I was I was very much beat, uh, marched to be my own drum person when it came to fashion in the sense of like I I wasn't like reading Vogue or anything like that but like right. I I knew similarly to how I am now like I knew what I liked when I saw it and didn't really care I didn't need affirmed by other people to like right. the things I liked. Ugh, I when I was younger I would die to shop at Delia's <laughs> and my mom would always say that Delia's was slutty. But I would like look, my older sister would inevitably order things from Delia's, but then I would just look at the catalog and see these girls that all looked like mini Mandy Moores. And I would be like, they are so sexy. That was really what I thought. I was like, sexy girls in their little boot cut jeans uh -huh. with like a layered tank that has like a little daisy on it in the center. So cute. Did you have Arden B at your mall in DC? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. Absolutely. I feel like Arden B was like, because everyone remembers BB. And now we're talking about BB the store, not BB yeah. the magazine. Although I've heard that BB the store was pronounced Bebe, but like. That I always pronounced it BB. Okay, yeah. I'm not Some gonna. Some other like, people say Bebe. I'm not allowing that. Um, but yes. It's BB. Let's get it straight. BB. Actually, I would like for you to post about this on the internet. I just want you to say, it's BB. We're done. It's BB, you know? Before That's there it. was BB Rexa, there was BB the store. Um, yes. But yeah, I, I, and also too, while we're talking about it, it's like mall culture was like very big for me. I was rewatching um, Clueless recently and, you know, the whole scene with like Ty falling off or yeah. almost falling off the thing. I just was like, that pinged for me too, where I was like, wow, just like all those days of like my parents dropping me off at the mall and being like, come get me in a few hours. Like there's no plan. I'm just going to like be at the mall. So fun. My, my teenage mall closed recently and I drove by it when I was in DC a few weeks ago and I truly was like, I used to go to Filene's basement and buy these like Hello Kitty booty shorts that I thought were so cute. And then I would go to the McDonald's, get something off the dollar menu, and then I'd meet up with some of my friends and we would drink 40s in the bathroom, like next to the McDonald's. So we'd be chugging 40s and then we'd just walk around the mall drunk. See, you were so much cooler than I was. <laughs> I don't think drinking 40s in a bathroom in the mall basement was cool. <laughs> I think it had some edge.
Oh my goodness. Knock, knock, knock. Is that a knock on the door? Why, yes, it is. Welcome to the high school guidance counselor's office. I'm your high school guidance counselor. In this segment of the show, we get to rectify a wrongdoing of your high school past. You can say fuck you to someone, you can apologize to someone, or you can do both. You can yield this time to heal any lingering high school trauma. You know, if I could go back, let me think about this like very seriously. Cause I don't have a lot of resentment towards my bullies because the funny thing about social media today is you get to see your bullies grown up and yeah. sometimes <laughs> you're kind of like, everything worked out for the best. Um, yeah. For me at least. Um, so I would say, if anything, I would go back and sort of change my attitude. I mean, I know I had mentioned earlier about my suspension. I yes. feel like I just would have been a little bit kinder towards people and I think invested in getting to know people more. I think that um, I definitely had like a superiority complex, especially like once I discovered like my theater school friends, it was sort of just like, you know, I figured, you know, I knew the last five years. So I was like, what did you know? Right. You know? Um, right. And so I think I would go back and sort of uh, invest more in making my friends, in, 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 in making friendships that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And connecting that to sort of like high school, but then like beyond, I would invest more in maintaining relationships from high school in my adult life, because mm. I'm sure you've dealt with this too. Like, you know, being in, we're in similar industries where it's like, mm -hmm. it's easy to be like surrounded by people like us. And yeah. that's a lovely thing. And like, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but like going through this thing right now with Tessa's mom and, and kind of like being, you know, checking in on my past on the daily and being on the phone with her and everything. I don't know. I'm kind of just like, you know, I, 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 I miss that. Like, I miss a life that's not New York, L.A. And yeah. I can be better connected to that. So I would just say to, like, that younger self and everything, it's just, like, have, like, the the center of the universe is not New York or L.A. Like, really, there's right. there's no center of the universe. Or if anything, that's, like, the center of the universe is home. And home will always be, you know, for me at least, where I'm from. So I think just like investing more in people and not caring so much about myself. That's, that is something that I think everyone should remind themselves of even still to this day. I think it's so hard. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, that. I'm a big proponent of like, and again, I'm sure you deal with this a lot too, where it's like people asking us questions about ourselves or this industry or blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm just not a big, fan of like talking about myself or like in this context I actually am because I think this is like very like this is very kind of like deep but in mm -hmm. the sense of like you know people sometimes will be like you know like what career advice would you have or something and I'm like honestly my advice would be don't take advice from anyone um right. I'm just not a big fan of like talking about or like I or like why I do what I do but what you and I are talking about right now is sort of like the underbelly of why yeah. we do what we do, of which course. is so much more interesting. 
Um, yes. But in general, I'm just not a big fan of like analyzing myself or like, I had to do an interview earlier today and it was like, you know, like, how do you figure out like your posting cadence for Instagram? Oh, And I was no. just like, I don't know. No, <laughs> no, not the cadence Not the cadence. <laughs> I do, I, I never, I need to remember to ask this question to future guests, but you just moved your mom out of your childhood home? No, I moved her um, back to my childhood town. She was but living... Was she, okay, so she wasn't living... The house that she was in was not the house you grew up in. No, no, no. She's about, like, five minutes from the house I grew up in. I was going to say, like... Because I think something... Kind of talking about these people from your past, like, I think that what I miss about my, like, high school friends that I'm not in touch with is, like, all of these people remember certain aspects of you or you have shared experiences of like the seedlings of you, the beginnings. And I also feel this way about our homes or like our artifacts we collected as middle schoolers and teens and all of that stuff. And I, you know, I haven't had my parents moved out of my house that I grew up in when I was 18. And then ever since then, it was like, everything you don't want is trash. So now I'm like, I have odds and ends, but I'm wondering, is there anything that you've kept from your teenage room that means a lot to you? Does it have to be my teenage or can it be earlier? It can be earlier. Like, I have my stuffed animal from the day I was born. Okay, wait. So, hold Okay, so I found this recently um, when I was home. Aww. It's um, a letter that I wrote to my dad. It, and the cover of it has like a rainbow and balloons and mushrooms. And just briefly, so this is my handwritten note to my dad. Look how beautiful my handwriting is. Oh my uh, for those listening, God. yeah, it's like giving like pen person shit. Gorgeous cursive. Gorgeous, right? But I just want to, it's like not long, but I want to read this because I just found this Please. recently. And it says, Dear Dad, as you know, there have been many problems with my behavior lately. Well, I am working on it. So very hard. And I basically want to tell you more than anything in the world, you are my world. What makes me smile in the morning? Thinking about you. I love you dearly. Love, Evan. And I have no memory of writing this. And I was at home going through like all of my old stuff and I found this letter and I'm like, again, had no, I didn't even know I wrote like this, like literally this pen personship. And then also like when I, I said, what makes me smile in the morning? It's morning <laughs> with an apostrophe, M-O-R-N-I-N apostrophe. Oh. And yeah, so anyway, so this is like. A, That's so beautiful. I'm like crying. Yeah, no, I episode. love that letter. I, wait, can I tell you honestly, when I read that letter, because I care a lot about being a good person. Like it's like, it's very important to me. Important mm -hmm. to me. And and I always like, you know, waver like, am I? Am I doing the right thing? Am I right. putting my blah, blah, blah. Anyway, when I read that letter, it was like, I was like, not even reminded. I sort of, it like occurred to me. I was like, there's a good person in here. Like that yes. I like I have it in me and this like letter of like my pure self is like proof of that. And I'm not saying like I'm I only do good things in the world and like I, I everyone should admire me. That's not what I mean. But that letter was like very affirming that like a person that is me but is like so detached from me in so many ways, I like that person and I don't yes. think I have many memories of my younger self that I don't like I wouldn't I don't know that I I don't know I'm so surprised by this letter that I it exists. It. 
You should frame it. I think I might. I mean, I have it literally. It's like I had it sitting right there. I don't know why. You should just cut it in half so you can see the front and next yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. I the agree. beautiful. Oh, I love that. I and know. I think like I was with my producer, Tevi. We were talking about big existential questions earlier today. Like last night at dinner, my friend asked me if I would describe myself as a happy person. Mm. And I think that the same, like, that's such a big question that we never ask ourselves. And, like, being happy or using the word happy, there's something that feels very childish or adolescent about that. But I think the same goes for these kind of bigger questions of, like, am I a good person? And Like, do I, I want to be a good person? And am I doing all these things? And I do think that seeing these, like, little beautiful seedlings of our younger selves trying and being good people is like so so sweet yeah. and you should really give little Evan a hug I feel like I do okay. like I, I do and also one other memento that I have is so my um, bar mitzvah was Hollywood themed which was like basically Love. like Sarah Michelle Gellar themed and so we ordered these like uh, stand up dolls of Sarah Michelle Gellar from Japan and wow. I have one in Pittsburgh and then I have one here in this closet behind me but that's another like childhood memento that's like and you can't get them now like stand up dolls aren't really a thing anymore um, nope I mean I'm sure they exist like <laughs> you go on eBay but like yes. um, but that's another memento of mine from my childhood that's like I don't travel anywhere like when I move I not like not that. like travel like on trips what if I was like right. I go on trips and I have to bring my Sarah Michelle Gellar stand up um <laughs> It's like mandatory. Like, Evan, you are a really good person. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you see me like walking through the airport and I just like yeah. have this stand up with me. Strapped um, on your back. Exactly. Um, no, but it's like whenever I move apartments, I'm always like, she's, she's staying. She has to come. Um, okay. We have, I know you have a heart out. So I'm just going to ask my last two questions. One, did you go to your senior prom? We didn't have one. Okay. That's an easy, that's an easy one. You didn't have one at all? Like no dance, no nothing? No, I went to the performing arts high school. So I feel like we, right. we really didn't have a lot of like the culture building activities that are. Was it like the spring musical? We did have that. Yeah. What was your senior spring musical? Do you remember? Parade. Oh, yeah. You know that that celebratory show parade. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. So we were tackling anti-Semitism while other schools might have been, you know, having a dance. Were, was, was the production good? Did you feel proud of the production? I do. Um, I stage managed it. Um, okay. So, you know, those lighting cues were called correct. Um, That's right. Yeah. I feel like. I loved it. I, I was. I mean, I I didn't know. I mean, I had a limited sense of musical theater at that point, and then so like to know that there were like, you know, I, you know, I thought musicals were all like. I thought every musical that could be written had already been written, and then I was like, oh, yeah. you know, I was like, oh, it's just Sondheim, Lloyd Webber, Rodgers and Hammerstein, etc. And then I was like, oh, yeah. people can still like turn them out, and I was like yeah. so impressed by it. Um, and then now it's like back in the back in the zeitgeist, that? yeah. But like it's for a while, funny. it was like I would tell people I did parade, and they were like. What's that? Um, yeah, but now you know we have we have isn't um uh Ben Platt Ben Platt played. Tony Award nominee for the show. There we go. Um, and my last question of the podcast is: Did you have a senior superlative, or was that also not done at the high school? So similarly, yeah, we we did not have superlatives, sadly. Sadly, sadly. So I will have to give you one. I Please. will have to give you an honorary senior superlative. 
gosh, this is tough because, like, you know, a classic, I, a classic one that a lot of people have on the show is a lot of my guests, because again, we're in entertainment or writing or whatever, they, a lot of them get most likely to be famous. No, not, that would not, so not be me. No. And I think that, I actually think that I would give you, like, I don't know. This is hard. I don't know. Okay, wait. Can I tell you what I think I would give me? Yes. So I think I might give me most likely to win the lottery and lose the ticket. (laughs) Because I feel like that's kind of my energy. The part of me that, like, people don't often know, which is that, like, I have a lot of, like, good fortune and then, like, a lot of, like, fumbling the bag um i love it and i feel that's like that's a really good superlative yeah i feel like that just like sort of embodies me in a lot of senses um i love it that feels the most yeah when i was like i because ahead of this i was like going through i was like reading all this prose no it's like yeah. i'm not i'm most likely to for someone like me it's like not famous not I and mean, i wasn't really a class no I mean, like, it's it's like what do we get? Oh, you know what? Our other ones that I really like here that I could also give you very easily because I love it when people get best dressed, best hair. I would give you best eyes. Oh, thanks. I would give you best eyes. Thanks. That's that's gonna be a corny one. It's best eyes, honey, on this pod. I'll take it. Um, I definitely wouldn't have gotten. Eyes. I wouldn't have gotten best dressed uh, in school. Not with well, that. I would have given you best dress for the blow up goldfish <laughs> tank. I would. I'm gonna find you one. I'm gonna scour Please. eBay. And find oh my you god! One. I feel I like I could rock it now effectively. Um, a hundred percent. Yeah, if only. Well, all my fashionistas out there, if you're listening, we just gave you. Well, Evan just gave you an idea for a whole new line of little tanks. <laughs> Um, Evan, thank you so much for coming on my podcast and for being so open and for sharing with us today. My pleasure. I love this. Um, I just love the construct of this podcast. I think it's like very worthwhile to explore our past selves. And I like the format with which you're doing it. And thank you. yeah, it was a pleasure. I agree. Um, where can all of my little classmates find you, even though I'm sure they already follow you? You can find me on my Substack, evanrosscats.substack.com, and then on Instagram. I don't use any other social medias, really. And you know what? Bless you, because they're all, it's too much. You gotta, you gotta stick with one. And unfortunately, we'll have to save the cadence posting question for next time you're on the show. (laughs) (laughs) It is interesting, though, where like, it's, it's honestly affected my approach to interviews on my podcast, where I'm like, I just like am not interested. I, I I'm increasingly less interested in talking to people about themselves and more mm-hmm. interested in being like, what's like that, that. But again, your podcast being the caveat because it's like yeah. there's something there. But like this idea yeah. of like, what was it like shooting? Blah blah blah. It's like, do I really care? Like, am I really? Like, so I just I find like the more like I can talk to people about, for instance, if I get a famous New Yorker on the pod best coffee shop in New York that's still open. Like, give me practical information through your lived experience. But, like, I don't need to hear about, like, what shooting gangs of New York was like. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And let me tell you, honey, grueling nights on set. Grueling. Grueling, <laughs> grueling, grueling. Uh, well, thank you so much to everyone for listening to my podcast once again. It's been another perfect, stunning episode. Please continue to give me positive reviews. And as always, stay cool, never change. Bye. That was a HeadGum Podcast.